grieving. Some families will be lost to one another forever. To those of you who face the difficulties of reconnecting with family and establishing ongoing relationships, we say sorry. We offer this apology in the hope that it will assist your healing and in order to shine a light on a dark period of our nation's history. To those who have fought for the truth to be heard, we hear you now. You're listening to Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Sparrow. This podcast is a production of Jigsaw Queensland Post-Adoption Support Service. However, the views expressed are those of the people participating, not necessarily Jigsaw Queensland. The podcast discusses adult themes and listener discretion is advised. Today we have a bonus episode to address a topic that we'd plan to look at later in the season, but as it has recently made headlines, we've brought it forward. Tragic cases of children dying while in care or in families known to the department draw widespread attention, as they should. These tragic events are often accompanied by renewed calls that adoption should be more routinely and genuinely considered as a solution for some children in care. At the same time, we as a community have owned up to and apologised for past forced adoption practices and have declared that they will never happen again. There has also been much acknowledgement of the detrimental impacts of legally severing a child's relationship with their biological family and changing their birth certificate. Dr Trevor Jordan is President of Jigsaw Queensland and a long-term advocate of responsible adoption reform and education. For 20 years, he taught public and professional ethics at the Queensland University of Technology. As an adopted person in the closed adoption era, he developed a particular interest in ethics and adoption. I recently spoke to him about permanency versus adoption and learning from the past. Hi, Trevor. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jo. What are the alternatives to adoption that will meet the needs of children who are in and out of home care, sometimes for most of their childhood? Well, this is the real issue because... um, you know, as a community, we've uh, we've looked at the past experience with adoption and made uh, uh, communities apologise for past forced adoption practices and promised that they would never happen again. And yet there still remains uh, the issue that some children, uh, for various reasons, can't start, are not safe in their families and, and may need to be... Uh, to be to be looked after uh, outside that family. So um, people quickly look at the lists of a uh, number of people waiting for adoption and then, the, then they look the long list of number of children in out of home care and think, well, here's a simple solution. But mm. uh, it doesn't work that way. At the moment in Australia, uh, at any one time, there's about over 50,000 kids in, in out of home care. Um, now, some of those will return reasonably quickly to their to their families as matters are resolved. Uh, so you're probably looking at about uh, 45,000 Australia-wide in out-of-home care, but 50% of those are in their extended families. In other words, they're being looked after by relatives, not their their, their parents, uh, but you know by uncles and aunts and grandparents and in their family. So um, the picture the picture. Is often people often quote the larger number of figures without realising that uh, 
part of the system is working reasonably well in the sense that these these kids are being looked after by people who who they know in their in their extended families. Um, but there's another uh, thousands of kids who will spend two years or longer uh, out out of their family and in in the in in the in, if you like the system. Uh, in foster care uh, or with, with other people who are taking parental responsibility for them. And some of those, percentage of those, will, won't be returning to their families um, and will have, someone else will parent, have the parental role for them until they turn 18. Mm. Now, people who've been affected by adoption in the past are always concerned when people immediately see his adoption as solution because uh, often the people making those calls don't acknowledge that uh, you know, things have to be different. Um, and, uh, and at the same time, I, our experience is in Queensland where the government has got together with stakeholders who are affected by past adoption to talk about this issue, that most of the, the stakeholders uh, uh, in adoption reform and, and people who have welcomed the apologies for, for past forced adoption, except except that the permanent that the children do need relational permanency. They need some kind of legal permanency in the sense of who's responsible, who has the parental role for them. At least they turn eighteen, and they need just the stability and geographical stability of not being moved around in the system. So, in in many ways, people realise that, but we're still concerned. If people, if it's going to look like adoption in the past, then it's not going to be a solution. Um, what's different about, I guess, uh, uh, why adoption doesn't work, and and to fulfil our promise that it won't happen again in our community, as forced adoption was, is that uh, adoption, what's called plenary adoption, which is the, the usual kind of form of adoption uh, policy and practice around the world legally terminates all rights and relationships with the family of origin. So you become totally a member of a new family and they, they put down on your birth certificate as the parents and, uh, and all rights uh, are, are terminated with, with, with your family of origin. And that's Most, more than just parents, isn't it? That's grandparents, siblings. Exactly, yes. So it's yeah. not only that you no longer... You're severing the parental role. You're severing relationships with grandparents, with or sometimes with brothers and sisters. You may end up with a different name. Um, so mo most people now is sometimes it may be necessary to 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 terminate a person's parental role with their children um, uh, in very rare circumstances, but that's not a, a reason to sever their relationships with their the rest of their family. Uh, their siblings and their grandparents, and it's certainly not necessarily a reason to completely change their identity. Um, so um, in Australia, um, all, all the state governments uh, advocate permanency as an alternative to, to children. I suppose the usual lang language is languishing in the foster care system and going from one set of foster parents to another, sometimes having anything up to double figures number of placements in their in their lives. So yeah. most most of the governments are on board about a permanency. Uh, in New South Wales, is a state that stresses perhaps still stresses adoption as 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 a solution, a permanency solution. 
But even in New South Wales, they they realise that this issue of severing relationships and identities is not necessarily a good idea. So that's why in New South Wales they advocate what's now called open adoption, so that when an adoption order is made, that the relationship with the family of origin is, is as far as possible maintained. Um, but generally, most of the other states see that uh, permanent guardianship to, to age 18 is a better alternative than adoption. And even the advocates uh, of, of adoption in Australia are leading towards what's called simple adoption rather than this traditional plenary adoption. And simple adoption would mean that you, be, you, you may become part of a new family, but you don't stop being part of your family of origin. So you're legal, mm -hmm. even though you might be adopted as a family, you're added on to another family who accepts family responsibilities. It doesn't, it doesn't remove or take away your, your, your original family doesn't uh, cease to exist. So that's why some people who are still advocating for adoption uh, are realising that they should be advocating for not only open but simple adoption um, because a lot of the children in care, uh, you know, ex except perhaps for the infants, uh, many of them are older, and so they they know who, where they come from, they know who they're related to, they they've got a name. It doesn't necessarily need changing, and in in most jurisdictions, uh, changing a name is not not recommended. Um, so you know the, these sort of solutions are are, are much per preferred than the traditional view of adoption but sadly when people say when they see a tragedy occurring and they recommend uh, adoption as as a solution as, as the coroner recently did in in queensland the general community is not always paying attention that this has to be different to what people think about as adoption in the past and that there are alter alternative forms of permanency and care that are, are probably more suitable and address issues that the forced induction inquiry addressed, which is the identity issues and identity confusion that arises for simply changing the name of a, a child and severing their relationship with their family. Uh, there's issues of uh, in, in informed consent being required from, from, from parents uh, before kids are put in, into care on a permanent basis. Um, uh, these are... These are issues that remain uh, to be addressed and paid attention to when we seek to, to make alternative arrangements. So Trevor, adoptions in Australia are numerically low and waiting lists are perceived as long. Um, can you see how people would be tempted to see adoption as that simple solution? Oh, sure. I mean, and, and generally people uh, latch on to the things as simple as possible, but in the world of families and family relationships, things are rarely, uh, are rarely that simple. Um, even those, uh, those that advocate adoption as a solution, and, and in, say, in New South Wales, where they're trying to increase the number of adoption orders, those, adopt, that might, those numbers might climb up to triple figures, such like 120 or 140, rather than the low figures in other states, it's it's uh, it's only a, a drop in the ocean, to, you know, the, the number of uh, children. So you know, there are not 40,000 families lining up, not 20,000 if we take out the 
the relatives who are putting their hands up to look after kids. There's not 20,000 people on those lists. Uh, yeah. And the challenges are, the normative challenges of raising a child who's had adverse child experiences, which many kids in the, in the system have, uh, 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 you have to be uh, pretty well educated and informed about the challenges you're taking on, particularly uh, as, as children are getting older. And the fact that ta removing a child from a family itself counts as an adverse childhood experience. So some of the children have experienced uh, secondary, uh, direct or secondary violence in their family or neglect, or they've witnessed scenes in their families that, uh, that are traumatic. And so they've already, plus the instability of the arrangements has meant they've had disruption in their education as well as their family life and security and security. So, so fostering and permanent guardianship under these circumstances has to be done uh, by people who are fully aware of, of the challenges that go with the territory. And, uh, and so some simple solutions like simply advertising for people to, to become foster parents um, or to become permanent guardians can backfire um, and not be a solution unless people are fully educated and resourced. Um, so not only do they, the people taking on the challenge need to be resourced, but we've learnt that unless you provide resources to the families of origin where the relationships have broken down, then more children will enter the system because their needs and issues have not been sufficiently met. And so children uh, may still enter the system if, if those families who, who lose their children to out-of-home care uh, uh, are not resourced and and and, and given assistance uh, and and helped. So, so yeah, we 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 tend to look for simple solutions uh, too much. Uh, in the area, it's it's difficult because with these headline tragedies, there's there's two conflicting kind of tragedies that occur. One, a child is removed, and then a, a then they a tragedy occurs. Uh, and then or a child remains with their family of origin and a tragedy occurs and whichever happens, then usually the government and the government workers are blamed for the result. So it's a, a difficult area in which to get policy and practice right because, yeah. uh, um, you know, but to do nothing is not an option. Uh, yeah. I think we all accept that. Um, but we do have to put a lot more effort and thought into what's in the best interest of the child what have we learnt from the past about how not to do it and not to repeat those mistakes? Uh, you know, just in every area of life, we often, often, uh, we often forget history and uh, start doing things that uh, we we know haven't worked. Um, they appear to be a new idea for a new generation. Um, but yeah, you know, so we have to keep on keep on working and and looking at practice. But certainly. Um, I think we're at the moment now, for example, in the past, um, people who were waiting to adopt and people who were willing to foster were on separate lists uh, available, putting their hands up to, to help. Um, so what's happened is that it's, it's become more logical and easier for people who uh, are fostering children and and uh, perhaps are looking after children quite successfully and what that, that child and the child agrees to be part of that family till they turn 18, the road has been smoothed to for those children to move and families to move into a permanency arrangement. 
Um, at the same time, I know here in Queensland, for those uh, people who are willing to parent who put their hands up to be on the adoption list, the option is now given for them to consider providing a permanent home to a child who's who's already in out of home care rather than than, than waiting forever to, uh, to, you know, under the old uh, view of what adoption is. So mm. uh, those sort of changes are good, but, um, you know, there's broader systemic issues here of, 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 of why so many kids uh, are in out-of-home out care that, that are probably to do with structural issues, economic issues, social issues, cultural issues, um, and the, these are more complex and need to be addressed. But yeah, sometimes but at the end of each day, a... some at the end of each day, some kid needs a safe place to to lay his or her head. And sometimes um, it feels like we're putting a bandaid on a, a bleeding artery. Well, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, and there's many good uh, many good things have been happening uh, uh, over the years uh, uh, to to address these issues. Um, um, and we need, we need to realise that and, and, and to support it. But, uh, yeah. But, but, yeah. So what are but some I'm of not... the problems that you see facing the changes that need to be made in this area? Well, one, we, have, we do have to change our mindsets and, 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 be, and get a little bit more honest here. Whether people are advocating uh, for, for alternatives to adoption like permanency and guardianship or whether they're wanting to advocate adoption and open adoption, we have to be. We do have to be honest with ourselves here that uh, about the challenges that are involved in in looking after kids. Uh, we have to be honest about the numbers and that a lot of these kids are being looked after in their in their extended families, and uh, that's not a problem in in most cases. We have to be honest that the most adoptable or per kids who who would be um, suitable for a permanent guardianship are often the ones with the least problems and easier to get on with. So mm -hmm. the kids who are the most difficult are the ones who are going to be uh, left out of the equation and we don't want a welfare system, child welfare system where where it's the best because you know, they reject, you know, you don't make a system the best by by not dealing with the kids who, who, who need who's need the most. Um, you know, I think opponents uh, People who are opposed to adoption uh, uh, need to be on, honest and to, and and to get the message of what's happening and why kids are can't be in their families of origin. That not not all families do look you know not all parents do the parental role very well, and sometimes that can be a safety issue for the children, and uh, they have to get on board about about alternatives to adoption. Um, but we have to be honest that we, we have to address the issue of informed consent, that we can't just make these decisions on behalf of people and go back to the to the system um, that we had in the past where professionals were making decisions that had lasting effects on on children's lives. I think we have to look at, at terminology. I mean, I've been lucky enough over my years to be in conversation, obviously, with people who adopted that people who've been uh, uh, wards of the state, people who've had guardians, people who've grown up in foster families, some of them wanting to just stay the, stay with that arrangement and some of them wanting to actually be, as adults, adopted into the families. I've had these conversations and there's not, one's, there's not one size fits all here. Um, 
it's about relationships and trust and uh, and really, you know, who one identifies with and builds trust with is depends on the way in which we treat each other and and uh, and um, that in the long term that, that that's very important. You know, there are many many kind of needs here and I know people who who were in orphanages or wards of the state who, you know, in the past I actually wanted to be adopted, and of course we've met people who were adopted. Who it's a tragedy, and they were abused and and not looked after well. And uh, you know we need to be more responsive to to individual needs this, in this area. And whatever policies that happen, it can't be said and forget. It has to be adequately resourced before the decisions made. More adequate resources, community for everyone in in the community for everyone involved in these decisions and their impacts, and it has to be more resources uh, available to people after decisions are made, so that so that families who are struggling um, with the issues that go with 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 raising a child who's had multiple adverse childhood experiences are able to get help and assistance uh, in a timely fashion to. And, and whatever arrangements that are made or, or when when a family loses a child to the system that, uh, that they continue to be looked after and their needs addressed rather than simply forgotten. Because uh, one of the issues with permanency and adoption is is that they're seen as alternatives to out-of-home care and, and, and once people are in a permanent relationship of guardianship or adoption, they know that... They no longer appear in the figures about a home care because they have a home of, a, of an alternative sort. So we have to be realistic that um, you know this is not simply a solution, a numbers solution here. That uh, it's about relationships and and having people resourced to to work through and to learn and to grow in 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 the, in, in, in a family and to adopt the the parental responsibilities and roles that go with that. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today, Trevor. It's a complex issue and it's one where we must look to the lessons of the past before we act and, and repeat mistakes into the future. Um, so we'll be teasing out more of these issues in future episodes. But thank you, Trevor. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks for listening to the Adopt Perspective podcast. If you'd like to find out more, go to the podcast page on www.jigsawqueensland.com. Com, and you'll find a wealth of information and resources on the website. If you reside in Queensland, you can reach Jigsaw Queensland's Forced Adoption Support Service on toll-free 1800 210313 or you can call Jigsaw on 07 If you live in another state of Australia, you can still call the Forced Adoption Support Service number and your call will be answered by the Forced Adoption Support Service in the state that you're calling from. In every other state, Relationships Australia operates this service. A big thank you to Matt Sparrow for composing and recording our original theme music. Until next time, I'm Joe Sparrow saying farewell from Adopt Perspective, a podcast for anyone affected by adoption. Mm-hmm.